everybody. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. It's episode 502. 50% off. <laughs> How was that? Is that? That's not part of the title. That was great. Um, it's pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm Chris McCaleb. I'm one of the editors uh, on the series, though not the editor of this episode. Kelly Dixon, unfortunately, is unable to join us today, though she sends her regrets. She's on location again and on assignment, and uh, that assignment has taken her uh, away from us. But don't fear, we've got some amazing people around the table. As always, we have our co-creators, showrunners, gentlemen extraordinaires. What? What's happening? (laughs) It's falling apart. It was going so well. Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Woo! Hello! Hello, world! Uh, on the wheels of steel and the ones and twos, we got Joey Reinish. Hello. Uh, and we have not one, not two, but three people to my right. First up, we have executive producer Melissa Bernstein. I would like some wheels of steel. No, he, he, I don't think you want to do that. Do you just want to switch? Do you want to switch with cool. Joey today? It sounds you wanna, really cool. Do you Please trade me. Have a wheel of steel. <laughs> Joey, Joey inherited. Uh, it's this. What I I started this podcast doing what Joey's doing right now, and uh, and and now he's in some kind of hellscape where he can't get away from. <laughs> and now he's bringing in his own mixing board because Joey has his own podcast network. And, we don't uh, talk about that. We do talk about it. <laughs> we're, you, we're happy to talk about it. It's find your podcast, Joey. I Exploso Magico. I would love to. I this is not for the the recording. I don't know if you guys want to be associated. With this, <laughs> that's the problem. this is why. What is it? You, you talk guys, about like fucked Joey. up movies, like that Greasy Strangler and stuff like that. Uh, that is in the wheelhouse. Yes, uh, jo- Joey. I'm on two of the podcasts. <laughs> I am associated with your podcast network. You shouldn't be. Explosomagico.com. Go there and uh, rate, subscribe, and uh, so yeah. So if you yeah, want to switch places, uh, Melissa, what? you you are Explosomagico. Explozo Magico. Explozo nice, Magico. A nice Explozo fake word Sounds that everyone can find. Yes. Oh, it is a little, some of the stuff, some of the Explozo material Magico. is a little controversial, but I love it. I, and I really like their flagship podcast, LOLJK. Oh my yeah, which he does, which in. he does with, with his wife and two what? of their best friends. That's and awesome. it is, it is, again, it's, it's a very specific. What does LOLJK stand for? Laugh out loud. Just kidding. Okay. But, yeah, it's, it's one of them internetisms. Oh, yeah. it is? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But, uh, That's what the kids are saying. Does it mean yeah. you weren't actually it, laughing out loud? It, 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 I, I do, frequently <laughs> when I listen to it. I mean, when, when Joey was my assistant, uh, before he was, uh, we haven't gotten to him yet, but he's now uh, working with uh, one of the other editors on Better Call Saul. Ooh. But uh, before, he, uh, before he left me and betrayed me, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, we... Uh, I started listening to his podcast and then I stopped and I was like, you know what? I think he probably needs this like space to, he doesn't need his, you know, boss, like listening to his, his private podcast, but you know what? I listened to it and we're friends and uh, I love it. We still I, managed to be so, which is kind of amazing. I love it. It's <laughs> not, um, pri- I'm just going to say it's not private. If you put it on a podcast, that's not, that's pri- fair. not private anymore. That is a yeah, fair point. Um, I am so excited about this. Yeah, yeah. 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 here we go. I'm part of this too, <laughs> Joey. No. Well, and that voice you just heard is, uh, is, is the if man I himself. If I never make eye contact again, you'll know why. <laughs> it's, it's the man who stole Joey's heart. Uh, he, you know him as the the award winning editor of Better Call Saul. So and many Skip awards. McDonald. Yeah. So yeah. many awards. Yeah. Skip, 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 Skip,
Skipperific. Thank you all. Hello, everybody. And Joey, I am part of your podcast too, I believe. Oh, that's, that's right. correct. He was <laughs> on. He was on the Criterion Knots. <laughs> that's wow. right. Speaking about uh, um, Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate which oh, you worked on. Which you worked on. Yes. Tell tell the audience about that a little bit. <laughs> now, you're, or, or should we tune into? The I'll tell you what. If you want to listen to the Heaven's Gate episode of Criterion Knots podcast, that is a. Uh, Skip really got it was a great conversation. I, I, I had a I, great time. I learned a lot. And also, that's a great movie. How many podcasts are there? Uh, it depends on the month you ask. <laughs> I think right now there's like three, but okay. uh, some come and go. Joey's okay. got twins. He's very busy. <laughs> exactly. I know. He's very busy. I'm going to um, listen to that one about the Heaven's Gate. Criteria knots. Criteria yes. knots. Yeah, that's that's one of the few there's actual information happening. <laughs> yeah. Skip that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, brought, to you by, brought to you by MailChimp? I w- I I we'd love to. You have MailChimp <laughs> okay. if you'd like right. to contact uh, yeah, explosivemagico.com. Give us a um, But yeah, Skip, thanks for coming in today. Of course. Um, I we, we caught you before you. You, uh, like uh, Kelly Dixon, uh, also traveling to faraway lands on assignment. So I'm really glad that we got you in here. I'm very happy to be here and glad I had the time to make it. Uh, and our third and final guest today, Producer. she's the writer of this episode. She's Allison Tatlock. I thought Skip was going to introduce me. Oh, yeah, it sounded like you were throwing it. It sounded like you're throwing it to Skip. I will say, I, no, we've got our patter down perfect. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was that could not have been smoother. <laughs> but we do have an episode to talk about. We absolutely yeah. do. Uh, this, this episode was written by Allison Tatlock and it was directed by Norberto Barba. That is absolutely true. And we were we were lucky to get Norberto, and it actually turns out that he and I went to film school together. Are you USC? serious? Yes. <laughs> Uh, and he, he was he was Bert Barba at that point, and uh, I because I'm an idiot, I didn't make the connection until uh, until we laid eyes on each other and we started realizing that we know all the same people. Didn't so he rent go. the equipment? He was he, he was, worked a job on campus. He was in the stock room. That's correct. Which is also a job that uh, Vince and Tom did uh, back at NYU. I oh, believe. Yeah, gave out the cameras. That's what a feeling of power you know well it's the best <laughs> job because you get yeah. to you get to borrow all the cameras for your own show and exactly. you get to deny others especially <laughs> the, more, the more talented students yes uh, but yeah what what a crazy episode especially the the teaser of this episode so we came out of last week what is going on with kim uh and like right away we're blasted in the face with these two maniacs sticky on, and ron sticky and ron on uh, on their fifty percent inspired by Jimmy's, uh, uh, in retrospect, foolish uh, discount that he did at the at the at the tent. This is a crazy sequence. First of all, how did the idea for this come about? How did the idea to and, and how did you name them? these two guys, Sticky and Ron? <laughs> is there, a, Are they is there some, do you know somebody they, named Sticky? I do not. So my original idea was that one of them wouldn't be named Runny. So I think it was at first in my head it was Runny Gross. and Stan. And I thought Runny was funny because, of course, it's literal because he's running away from people all the time. And then I thought maybe also because he's snorting drugs, he has kind of a runny nose. Then I decided too gross, <laughs> just too disgusting. We appreciate that. Yeah. And somehow Runny turned to Ron. And then, but I wanted something else descriptive that would descriptive that would make us feel like ugh, like crusty. I was like, no, not crusty. That's a, that's a, but that's sticky. That's the Simpsons. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think sticky is, is is grosser than runny. Okay, fair enough. I I, I hear depends what you're on saying. what's sticking and what's running. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we ever even hear that he's named Sticky. 
We I think we what hear about their sticky, thicky? podcast yeah. exclusive. Yeah. You're yeah. hearing it now. They're sticky and raw. Yeah, they that, are. That is an oversight. Yeah. That is an oversight. Oh, we hear it in the rap. Yeah. In the, my name rap. is yeah. yeah. My name my is Mr. Sticky. I'm like, pretty freaking tricky. <laughs> something something thicky. I mean, we're just like in slammed into their world for. I mean, how long is that teaser? You tell me. You tell me. How I long won't. is that teaser? Oh yeah, right. To, so the, I, I believe to the frame. I believe it's yeah. So a little over <laughs> three minutes and forty yeah, seconds. So Peter knows exactly. Yeah, I know. Really the, I know track. the exact length of all every yeah. sequence on the show. That's smart. This <laughs> is one By of my frame. superpowers. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I know that for Norberto, who did a fantastic job. And, um, it was he had to make a little movie inside the movie kind of thing. Like there right. were we we carefully presented a, a bunch of shots and sequences, and then Peter invited the director to to add to that, and and he rolled with that. And he actually it was his idea to have the dog chasing them. I That's think right. he brought that in, and uh, a few other a few other bits and pieces. The gnome, and the, right? the the gnome. Might, I know that might be scripted. I yeah, that the was gnome the was scripted. Thing. It was his idea yeah. to end with the gnome, yeah. just the image of the gnome at the end, which was a That's wonderful true. addition because it mirrors yes. the ice cream cone. That's right. Um, just physically, so it, he came up with some really cool stuff. And, and, and he, he he created a book bookends for the episode. Exactly. Was starting you know, the teaser ends with the gnome, and then the right. whole thing ends with that ice cream cone. Norberto, uh, I, he was especially fun for me to work with because. He had this delighted gleam in his eyes whenever there was something fun to do. Because there's a lot of fun stuff in this episode. From a director's standpoint, there's a lot of fun stuff like that montage and then the, the very long takes uh, when Jimmy's running up and down the halls uh, at, at, at the courthouse. He just had this um, air of delight uh, and that he was getting to kind of unleash. And also he goes way back with Marshall, our DP, uh, and and they they've worked they've worked together in the past. So he had he just had a he had a, a joyful at least when I from when I was working with yes. him he had this this joy and like it's, it sort of sadly felt like now I can really open her up and and also I think he because he is so experienced he appreciated what a magnificent crew we have uh, which is which is really it really is it's as a director it's like getting into the driver's seat of a Maserati because the 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 the, the folks who are working on this show are so creative and uh, know what they're doing and have such command that uh, it's 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 really remarkable yeah he was impressed for now sure. whose idea was it to use the different filters in the montage and that was not my idea I can't take any credit for that whose idea was that Peter? that was my idea actually <laughs> <laughs> well thanks Chris no yeah great. you bet man that no that it, it visually it, it has it has a look that we're not used to seeing on certainly on better call Saul and that that piece of music is so propulsive and it's a it is such a dynamic sequence I I, I was, Do you want to was, talk about that music, Peter? Uh, well, I just re Skip remembers this very well that we were, you know, as as always, uh, we tend to cut dry. I don't remember there was probably some temp music in this sequence. Is that yeah, right? Yes, there was temp music that we had in there, but it just wasn't working the way we were hoping it to. That's right, and we and Thomas Golbevic, as always, sends us a series of options. Uh, I forget it was probably six. And then I heard this, and I was like, what the hell? I thought, what the hell is this? This is this. I didn't even know what it was. And it, and it turned out 
It turns out to be uh, four young Japanese women in this group named Chai. And uh, I had no, it's one of those things where I, it, probably if you had asked me what would go over the sequence, this would have been the last thing that I would have <laughs> ever thought of. And again, it's just, and I think we both, I just remember sitting there with you specifically, uh, and probably Allison too, and we just went, which, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Then, hey, wait, wait a, a minute, wait a minute. This is really kind of working. And it is a weird piece of music. It has, a, uh, as we found out as we went, it's, it's, um, it's got a very interesting dynamic range, uh, it, which is to say it's, it's I, I can't, I couldn't explain it to save my life, but I know our sound mixers pointed out the waveform and it's more or less a square. It, it, everything is everything's compressed a little bit, which is not what we're used to. But it, it's it's wonderful. It's got this great energy, and uh, somehow it made these two idiots more endearing to me. Anyway, yeah, yeah. and kind of drives them the yeah. action. The pacing and everything just yeah. works so well, and the chaoticness of the music was felt chaotic with the scene. Absolutely. The great delight of the sequence also, in addition to Norberto having that um, mischievous glint, which he did because he was super psyched, was that the chemistry between these two actors, Sasha and Morgan, was fantastic. They did not know each other. I don't think they had ever met before the callback, and they just really clicked and played together so well that, that I think it, you really feel like they have history and shenanigans going way back. It was really a tough piece of casting. I remember this is Bialy Thomas, our brilliant casting people, because just for many, many reasons, and you're looking for people who can kind of unleash and be goofy with each other and also partner and, uh, be, and have an inventiveness and spontaneity. And um, it just, I think it was one of the harder, interesting, I think that these two, it was one of the harder, two of the harder roles to cast this season, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it needed to be just right, and they, they nailed it. I find the sequence is so fun to watch, but it's fun kind of despite myself. Like, I always feel like, as a mother, yes. I, I yes. just don't like it. <laughs> but as a viewer... As a citizen. <laughs> yeah, as a citizen. As a citizen, I'm not fond of it. But as someone who just feels like fucking shit up for some reason, it's very uh, satisfying. And this is the hell that Jimmy hath wrought, too. I mean, he, this is... It, Kim said it aren't you encouraging people to commit crimes and she could not have been more right and if you look last week uh i mean obviously we kind of pick up in in a part of that scene from last week but if you look they're there throughout that whole sequence those two actors they're just kind of quietly and not quietly but they are in the background they're deep in the background and i, I love that they're so integrated in a in a way that it's it was felt very organic that was a very interesting evening, uh, Jimmy's uh, tent business, which was shot during Bronwyn Hughes' schedule uh, in episode one. And, you know, she was, of course, we've talked about episode one at this point. She was shooting the hell out of that. And then uh, Norberto, who had, I don't know if he had even met Bob at that point. I, I think don't this think might he have had. been when he met yeah. Bob. He had to come and take over the set. At 2 a.m. At 2 a.m. Uh, yes. Oh, and, Perfect time for any director to start. Uh, at yeah. 2 a.m. Uh, but I could tell Bromwin had, uh, and I, I don't think she'd mind my saying this, she had a little bit of sticky and Ron envy. <laughs> uh, because she knew, she knew, she had read the script, and she knew how much fun, uh, how much fun Norberto was going to have. 
Uh, so, but but she was, of course, you know, totally professional and turned the set over, turned the set over for those uh, those few few setups that uh, that Norberto needed to get those two kicked off. And every time those dudes showed up on the set, everyone was immediately psyched. They brought good cheer. Even at, we finished with them at three o'clock in the morning, also. So they kind of started with Norberto in the middle of the night and ended with him, and, and they were dancing on cars in the cold at three in the morning and everyone was totally psyched because they just brought <laughs> such a great energy. It was really, I was very grateful to them for that. I think, yeah, Polly Matson, our first AD on this episode was too. She said yeah. that, yeah, that was like her, the highlight of it for her. You know, I also, it's back to that music. I, I This isn't giving anything away, but Thomas and Yvette and Michelle and yes. Garrett, they have, I mean, in I know we say this every year. They have really outdone themselves this season with choices where you're like, where did that come from? How did you hear this ever? And why did you think this would work for this particular sequence? And why does it work so well when my brain rejected it immediately <laughs> and then saw it and thought, well, the nothing else can go here. This is perfect, and it happens. There, there are two other occasions that I, all that yet that I know of that are coming up this season. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming up this season, you guys, including the episode we're talking about. Should we give Skip some props for um, editing the the teaser so nah. skiptastically? Yes. <laughs> well, how do you? I was going to ask Skip. How do you? Obviously, Norberto has something in mind, but you did you guys communicate at all before you did a cut or what happens no generally the directors are too busy to to have the time to communicate with us so i i read the script before i start cutting or watching the footage then i watch all the footage and a lot of times the directors kind of have a direction they're going you can you can gleam some of that out from the footage so when i go through and watch it in watching the dailies i kind of put together in my head what I think it should be. And then I piece, start piecing them together. And as you know, it's it's easy for us to move things around and, and chop it all up. But it was just, there was so much great footage there, it was really hard to pick and choose which pieces to use or what not to use. And I, how do you decide the order of things? Because the, this this especially is kind of modular. These guys, you could they could be they could be robbing the gas station before or after they're dancing on cars. How do you decide what yeah, goes I, where? I kind of, as you're watching it for me, I get a feel of of what the progression should be. You know, where they're starting first, and they're doing a little bit of their drugs, and then they rob the woman to get more money, so then they can get more drugs, and then they go to the, rob the liquor store or the gas station. So I felt like the progression was there for me and then you just kind of put it together and then we, we sit down with Norberto and get his input too. You, you make it sound so straightforward. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite kind? I never ask you this all the years I've been working for you. Do you have a favorite kind of scene to edit? I was ask you and then ask Chris. Is it, for instance, uh, uh, a scene with very kinetic montage scene like this or a quieter scene with two actors or a quieter scene or a scene with a bunch of actors, or what, what? What's your favorite? And then I wonder what. You know, I, I I can't say that I have a very particular favorite. I do love doing the montage and the the really actiony mixed up kind of things. But if you get a really good dialogue scene with two characters, that's really great. That you can bring the life to it and and get the feeling and the moment that that you can convey to the audience. That's to me, that's really one of the better scenes for me to cut, but I do love all the action scenes and I love the montage stuff also. And a follow-up question, I want to hear Chris's answer too, and a follow-up question, 
this is I'm not being funny. This I'm being serious. Is it as an editor, is it more fun to have a scene? And this is a serious question. Is it more fun to have a scene that's not quite working, as in there's something a little off with it, so you really get to dig in and fix it, or would you rather have a scene that's just uh, easier to cut, so to speak? No, I think for me, the more the challenge in a scene, the better. I like I like the challenge. It makes me think more and makes me try to dig out the pieces that we need to make it work if something's not working. Okay. Whereas, you know, a simple straightforward scene is like, uh, yeah, it goes together and it plays great, but I like the challenges. I like to be able to really dig into it and make them work. That makes sense. How about you? I never ask you that either. I like it just a static, uh, like a like a wide one I like to, <laughs> a scene all done in one shot. So I, I watch the, the take, I put it in the cut, I go home. <laughs> I get sleep. It's exactly what I was thinking. It's wonderful. No, I, 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 I agree with Skip. I, I, you know, like a straightforward dramatic, although a straightforward dramatic scene is not always the easiest thing to cut, depending no. how it's shot. I mean, every scene has challenges. I think it's, to yeah, me, I feel you just, as the director, you should really seek out working with me. I could provide you with lots of challenges. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why, why ever would you say that, Melissa? I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. Um, no, I, I but I also like even more than than challenging or, 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 or having the opportunity as an editor to solve problems, which happens all the time yeah. because it's just impossible no matter what even on a you know we have a more generous shooting schedule than some other shows and there are shows that have even more you know and then there are the shows like game of thrones that have you know months and months to shoot an episode and 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 then there are some that have to shoot it in seven days a whole hour-long episode you know there's there doesn't matter how much time or how little time you have there's never enough time to get everything that you conceived of and then there's never a way to have gotten everything that you didn't conceive of that you don't realize well that didn't work or it turns out that shot's out of focus so we have to do something else so there are always going to be things problems that you have to solve editorially and that it is it can be fun as an editor to find solutions to those problems, which I, I'm sure we've talked about on the, on the podcast before where it's like this scene, scene wasn't working. So we pulled all the dialogue out and, and turn it into a totally different thing. And wow, that really worked really well. And stuff, stuff like that is really, and it's gratifying and it's exciting, but I think more than anything, the, the, this sounds stupid maybe, but the, I think you look more for a scene that's well written and well directed and just because when things are bad, it's like the not good fun yeah. where you're, you're, you're where all you're doing is solving problems and you have to use every ounce of not just your creativity, but also any technical ability you have yeah. and that stuff is when, when it's more tedious like that. Yeah. So when you're when you're solving good problems, okay, yeah. that to me is is the 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 best kind of thing to. You're edit. not looking to be the hero, in other words. You just you just want yeah. to you know, have a great great material to work with instead of dreck 
where you got to pull it out of the fire, so to speak. There are no heroes here, Vince. <laughs> there are no heroes in this room. I think we're all heroes here. Great job, I do like the phrase, the not good fun, which I think might be, might be, the, uh, might be the title of my next show. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for people to work on it, I, no. I, if I, sub, I submit my resume and, and well, uh, I've got some references. You can sue me over the title. Let's just start right now. You know, another, there's another sequence in this that I was really intrigued by this in the script. Because I'm still, I mean, I've I've said this. This is not news. I've I'm I'm baffled by Kim's decision making often, uh, you know. And I I as like a person, um, not as a you know, just because I I care about her so much. I'm so Team Kim, in in a lot of ways, and. I just don't want to see her get hurt as I assume as I assume she's going to by Jimmy again and again. And, you know, we all have been in relationships like that where we do we stay in things long after it should have ended or where we do we stay in things for stupid reasons, but or for dubious reasons. But when they go house shopping, that is such an interesting way to explore the, the where they're at in their dynamic where she is very there. She has a very healthy uh, skepticism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and um, what is the word when you're, when you don't believe or you you have doubts about somebody. Well, I don't know English words anymore. I've lost my ability to speak words, but when you have doubts about that, uh, suspicious, suspicious. suspicious. Yeah. She's okay. suspicious of, I knew we'd get there. <laughs> I mean, just lock yourself in a room with incredible writers and really smart people, and they'll figure out the words that you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, she's suspicious of him and and and, and kind of 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 their relationship. And what we see is the fun that they have and and how much he brings out of her when they kind of do this playful mischief. Yeah. I mean, this little thing because nobody's really getting hurt. This, this 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 is Kim's kind of fun where they're they're on the edge and and they're they're uh, they're pushing past that edge and and but they're having a great time and nobody's getting killed nobody's getting hurt there's no you know stakes like that um, what was the idea to make it be about house shopping how did that come about I feel like we started talking about it. Is this true? Is this right? We started talking about the possibility of it in season four. And now that Kim was making more money, even though they we talk a lot about how the characters don't really care about material possessions and are not quick to upgrade in in really in any way, really. Right. Um, And yet they're cramped now. They're physically cramped um, because all of his stuff has been moved into the apartment. And we felt that it was a way, even if they don't make that decision for now, that it was a way to bring them together. That it both made sense in terms of the story and some of us in the room had 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 the experience of like, it can be bonding, it can be fun because you're imagining possibility. And also it calls back, it called back to the previous scene from season, the previous scene from before when 
I was on the show, which we all watch together in the room when they talk about having a smoker and having some property and maybe having some horses. Oh, yeah. So we wanted to kind of build off of that fantasy. Jimmy Jimmy always seems to go to real estate as yeah. as a way as That's a how way they flirt. as a way to as a way to try to lure real Kim in, and I, that goes and that goes all the way back to season one when he shows her that office that he's he's wishing that she would leave uh hhm and join him in the in this office in the sky and 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 she tries to let him down gently it's one of my favorite scenes from the early early days of the show which was uh written by jenny hutchson and and directed by uh, larissa kondracki um and it's and she she kind of lets him down easy and then he's just it's like the first time you really see how important she is to him i think and then and then then she leaves and he he ends up like kicking the door mm-hmm. and, and 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 he's just it's just pathetic uh and it's i, I feel like he, that seems to be his go-to when he feels like she's slipping away and so this was this was uh and, and it would not have worked without the scene that comes before where he's ironing and he just sees she's distant you know she's it's a new kind of distance for them when they're living together and he kind of, he's making some he's grabbing for something to say no there can be a future here uh, I'm still Jimmy I'm just playing Saul on TV uh, and that's uh, that's it's an interesting thing uh, and of course that house is I don't know I don't know if that's really her taste Kim's taste I don't even know if it's Jimmy's taste except that it's I don't know if he has taste it just <laughs> he, it's his idea of like this is a big house and maybe we could we could live large. I don't know. It's it's a really interesting scene. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad you like it, Chris, because uh, the stakes are so unstated. Uh, you know, there's no that nobody says what's going on, and you could you could easily watch the scene and go, well, well they're looking at a house, so what? Uh, but if you if you're into the characters and if you're into the cues that the characters are giving, you understand this is Jimmy's like uh, his his mating dance, uh, such as it is. Yeah, he's trying to present her with the future us. Yes. There is a future us. Ray is so good as you, I mean, because she she doesn't want to give that. She doesn't want to give because she's still processing this, like, really vivid betrayal that happened just, you know, the last episode. That was, I mean, how, I don't, how long ago was that story time? yesterday Five a couple minutes. days weeks i mean it's current it's very current and, and still very fresh and and to watch her soften is she's so and she's incredible. processing so many i mean she's processing jimmy's decision to practice assault she's mm-hmm. processing like that overreach he made with her clients mm-hmm. and that place that he pushed her to mm-hmm. that she she decided to go to a a dark place on her own and then she had to kind of come to terms with why that was and how that made her feel. I mean, there's so much swirling inside her head, and I love that. Yeah, and from the outside, it can be really easy to look at somebody's decisions and say, that's the wrong decision. But when you're in it, as Kim is, you know, it's not always easy to see that you're making a, making a decision that you'll regret later. And it's, it's – uh, just worried about Kim. I guess I am. I am I talking to the right people about this? <laughs> is it my voicing my concerns about Kim with the right people? I think Vince is worried too. Yeah. I've been worried for a long time. No, yeah. I mean uh, he's he's uh, he's not good for her. 
He's just not. It's weird. I, I root I root to see them together, and yet I feel like uh, I feel uh, guilty almost for doing that because she she should be with someone else because he is. They laugh together and they have fun together, and they're a good fit, except for the fact that he is uh, he is corru- a corrupting influence morally. Mm-hmm. That sounds very. So very preacher-like or so, not the TV show preacher, but the, you know, the old-fashioned meaning of preacher. But uh, it's uh, it it uh, it it uh, he's he's a corrupting influence. He's he's not Absolutely. good. He's not good for her. And uh, yeah, I, I want to see him together, but I also want to see her get the hell out of there and and go off and live a better life, which is the essence of drama. There's that that inbuilt tension, that dramatic tension that, that never goes away. It's always uh, stretching dramatically and, and uh, stretching. The tension is always increasing. And uh, no, it's, it's fascinating to watch. I'm speaking of which, what is going on with Nacho? Man, is he in a bad situation. Talking about ratcheting up the tension, threatening his dad. That I love that. I love that from the script. Like that, that scene really stood out to me. And because there's nothing he can do. He's so screwed from all sides and I'm, I'm 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 weirdly worried about nacho i guess this podcast is me just like working through some things again <laughs> through working through my fears about these these people that are not real people but boy they, they really have become real to me you know we also see in this this episode that poker scene where nacho is trying to ingratiate himself with lalo and and uh get get on his good side we we this this is where Crazy Eight gets his name. Yes. Where was the decision? Was did that come from the board of uh, I, of cool ideas? I think and, that came. I think that came from the the brain and the, the pen of Allison Tatlock. <laughs> I took a swing and I was nervous. I'll be honest, because uh, yeah, we hadn't talked about it per se. I will say we talked a lot about the dude should get his name in this season. And then I was writing the poker scene and. Suddenly I thought like, wait a second, cards have numbers on them. Cards could have eights on them. He could do something crazy and the name could be born. Nice. <laughs> so I, I, like I, I might have even sent Peter an email saying, I think I have a, an idea. Should I go for it? And he, of course, was very supportive. I, I always have a problem with card game scenes because I have card aphasia uh it, it seems almost like a medical condition because literally card playing scenes the the actual hands and all that make no sense to me and they never will uh, i may have, i think i've given it up but fortunately uh there's a lot of folks here who, who know how to play cards we have and tom schnauz we have yeah. tom yeah. schnauz and we had a card tech card tech but it's it's interesting to me because i still find the scene and card playing scenes are interesting to me but they're interesting because of the stakes that the people have, you know, and uh, yeah. I was in, really interested in the, um, I was fascinated by the relationship between, uh, basically between Lalo and everybody else, yeah. that everybody else is so, uh, they're so nervous around Lalo. And Tony, uh, Tony plays this character with such grace and good and humor, and he's just amusing himself all the time. And it's 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 not like he's not like any any other any other guy in that position that I've seen before. He just seems to be having a ball. Yeah, Lalo loves being Lalo. He does. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, thank God, because otherwise it's kind of a dud of a party. Like Nacho <laughs> is trying, but like it's not. You know, he's not succeeding. At ingratiating himself. You know? <laughs> Worst party ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely don't want to go to that party at all. 
Uh, it was good to see. Uh, do we? Is his name officially Blingy? Yeah, I think his name is yes. I think his name might be Blingy. I, don't I know. It's good to yeah. see him again. Uh, yeah. I, it's good. Good yes. to know he seems like he's healing. He's great. That actor. so then uh, Nacho doesn't have an opportunity to wow Lalo here, but then he gets an opportunity. Yeah. So this That's is like cool. a this is like a high octane. This is like an action movie. Again, from reading the script, like how are they going to do this? How's he going to be jumping from building to building? I mean, that's sort of like a Lalo trick, jumping around. He's got Lalo's quite a jumper. And and just a, Peter, did season. you want to talk about the location? Uh, how much yeah. you love that? Yes, I, this is. I always have my own. I have my own framework in life. So usually, because I grew up in New York, I picture everything. New York size and New York style. So I, I think when we were pitching this in the room, I was picturing like two uh, like tenements uh, with an empty lot between them. And of course, that doesn't exist in Albuquerque. And I knew that. <laughs> I knew it would have to be something else. I think we all did. And uh, so I, I was a little bit worried because Allison wrote this kick-ass sequence, which is a lot of suspense and excitement to it. But I thought, well, you know, we're going to end up having to rewrite this scene to fit the location. And Christian Dilaboya, who is, is our uh, location manager, he this guy hits it for to me. He hits it out of the park every time. He reads, and it's you know you think, well, what's a location manager? Location manager, in our case, and in the case of so many people on our crew, is a storyteller. And he's read the script. He's thought about what the requirements are. And if you think about the location, we need a place where Lalo could park that would be away from the cops. We needed a place where we could put this crazy meth drop that shows up in the previous episode. We needed a lot of, it had a lot of, and we needed two buildings uh, that were far enough apart that you'd need to jump. The whole, the geography of it was very specific. And Christian showed us something, like the first thing he showed us was it. Uh, and I, I, it's, it's so, it's, it's remarkable to me. And it's, it's a great, it really is a wonderful location. And of course, but on the other hand, it's not as run down. It's not a run down, scary place in real life. I just want to point, and ever the people who That's live, our arts department. the people who live there, the people who live there, I think will appreciate the fact <laughs> that I'm saying this is not, this is not like a, a den of meth, meth peddling. This is, that, this is what I love about it. When I saw the episode, it's, it's, uh, it's perfectly nice. Uh, very pleasant apartments that uh, a lot of uh, parents of UNM students probably pay to send their, you know, pay for. And then they're watching, they'll be watching this episode and say, oh my God, this is where my kid lives? <laughs> this is where my college student child lives? Oh, crap. And a little inside peek into the process, I, I remember from the script uh, of episode one this season, it described that location, which was first introduced, and it had a, a thing that said, it was a note to the locations department saying that this, this location has very specific needs next week. So we need to, next episode, so let's have a long, longer conversation about this, which is, I, 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 I bet a lot of people don't realize like how much communication and planning and forethought goes into even just the writing the, the conceiving of things to say like heads up this is important next next episode and so we need to you know this has to fit this 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 location has many masters basically uh, yeah and then yeah. we know we need to in we need to get both the director of the first episode and the second episode involved the writer of the first episode and the second episode involved and really have a like an all-in conversation about like 
yeah, what we need, what we can live without, what we can live with, and like, and make a decision that will serve. Yeah, the and you're a part of that process. Oh boy, yeah, Are big you time. Oh hell yeah. Well, yeah, just yeah. bringing all the parties together. I, I, you know, I will say there are many paths of communication we have on the show, and there's a lot of uh, discussion and emails and so on. But one thing we always know for sure is that everybody, and I am so proud of this, everybody reads the scripts. They read it. They read. They read the scripts with such care. Uh, so we know if we put something in the script, and sometimes there will be things that. There are aspects that I'm not familiar with that I, I will forget, will slip my mind. And people on the set will say, no, it's written this, thus and so. And uh, so we try to be very specific in the scripts and we try not to put anything in the scripts that could be our, our intentions not to be misinterpreted because they are they are very carefully read. And we know that if there's something in the, if we put something in the script, people are going to read it and think about it. And, and they're, they're going to they're going to have really done a lot of preparation for anything that we put in there. And this one, in addition to being in both episodes, having all the specifications that have already been mentioned it also had a major safety issue because an actual human being was going to and did jump from one building to the other which is a very high stakes operation and has to be of course perfect and has to be perfect and the Ma first time michael mando would have happily done this stunt in fact i think he, he, he in his heart i think he really wanted to do this and frankly i think he could have, mm -hmm. but he's not a you know. But but in fact, it was it was a stunt artist. Yes. How excited was Michael Mando for this sequence? Because he, <laughs> he just like my exposure to him, he seems like he is ready for this. Like he's he's such a, a such a physical guy. Mm -hmm. it's absolutely. And he true. gets so even even with his just with his his uh, vocal performance, he's just very physical. And and uh, this seems like this would be right up his alley yeah he was very excited and and this is a big episode for him he has a lot a lot of stuff going on emotionally and physically um so yeah he was um it, it was cool to work with him because he was fired up i love it, it is in this episode where he says do you want me to take care of him yeah oh. yeah that is my yeah. favorite yeah i mean what a fantastic line reading yep from him I mean and I love that performance so much in that scene yeah he really doesn't want his, to have to whack his friend but he knows he has to ask and you can feel that tension inside him he's an excellent actor yeah. Michael really is I had, I had what I know we're gonna run out of time um, but did we set the elevator the elevator being out did that get set up in the last episode it, too it did actually I mean sort of in the background it is it is it's in happening the background. when Oakley walks by that elevator is out of service that's true that's true that is it such is. a fun little bit of business of Jimmy or Saul you know trying like I, I love that the ADA calls him in that in that totally awesome scene where Jimmy is just bouncing around the courthouse the courthouse is that what that building is yes yep. just making deals wheeling and dealing and 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 trying and 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 she calls him out on it he's just trying to churn through things to to you know keep that meter running and uh i thought that was such a cool device that he created to get them stuck in that elevator. That is great. And how great is Julie Pearl? Julie Pearl. Who plays ADA Erickson. Tremendous. She is so, I think I said it on the, on the, I hope I said it, I can't even remember now, on the uh, El Camino podcast, but the fact that she showed up on the movie El Camino just to stand there without saying a word. In the in freezing a, cold. In the freezing cold on the first day of shooting to, to just be 
visible in the uh, on-screen uh, uh, press conference. God bless her. She's she's one. God, she's so good. She's she, so, she's so good. She is. And something I've heard you say, Vince, before, and it's always stuck with me. Is you always talk about in comedy the straight man. And, she's and a wonderful straight man she, to him. Yes, she, or straight and, woman. Right? Straight yeah. woman. She is in the uh, in the in the in the elevator scene. Bob is so funny. Yeah. Uh, and, and Bob had a question about that. I remember when we were in prep, you know, he said, well, don't people know that I've messed with the elevator? Uh, you know, that's, and I, I felt, and I think he, he eventually he, he agreed that it was just funny. We just know, we, yes, you absolutely know that this elevator thing is his, is his scheme. I suspected, but I wasn't sure, but it, it, it yeah. didn't matter. But it was awesome. Yeah. Again, this is, this is something I feel like I learned from you, Vince, is that sometimes it's it makes you feel smart in the audience if yeah. you get if, if you see your expectation it doesn't your expectations don't always have to be undermined and sometimes they should be but sometimes it's very rewarding yeah. to suspect that this character is up to something and then you find out that boy he is and then of course you just enjoy Jimmy's performance of you know when he's exasperated <laughs> about this the, the elevator stopping uh, that was, it was just so funny. You know, one thing I remember we were uh, sitting in the editing room and uh, there's a, a transition. And I remember Melissa kept drawing our attention to this one moment in the elevator scene when the elevator stops. And I think we were the way I remember it. And Melissa, maybe you or Skip, maybe you remember it or Allison, maybe remember it than I do that we were just. We, we wanted to make the transition from the uh, the beginning of the scene when uh, the elevator stops and then later on in the scene uh, they've been wheeling and dealing for some considerable amount of time and making that transition just land just right and I remember was, Melissa kept feeling that there was something there was something off or there was something that we could improve and what Skip ended up doing uh, was adding that little element of the um, the light blinking on and off on the panel which is the arrow, the, yeah. that the, yeah. arrow, the arrow which is in fact that is a believe it or not i mean it's it's a post-production effect that we hadn't thought of I, I i think until until we got there but uh in, in the editing which is you know one of the things that we can do now and one of the other things that impresses me so much about the way that norberto pulled this off is of course the elevate the interior of the elevator is a set on the stage but we have characters who walk from the real world onto our stage, and I think it's just seamless. Yeah. It is. It's just it's it's uh, and that's that shows a director who's really thought about how you're going to get from A to B and how how that's how that's all going to play. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember which one did you shoot first? Was it the interior of the elevator? Or you'd probably don't remember. We did some for sure some exterior first. Um, but I can't remember if we did all of the exterior first, but it was pretty cool to show up and see that amazing fake elevator that they created that was on some kind of hydraulic so that, cause it had to joggle, you know, when, wow. when it goes out of service. So it wasn't like a Star Trek thing where they're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they were there, so they're really jostling. They I thought they were airbags. Yeah. Uh -huh. on, yeah. Oh. Involved, yeah. I didn't even, this is the, you know, I, I you know, I spent, all the hours you guys have spent on sets and whatnot. I, as, but then when you're a viewer, you forget. I, for, I didn't even think for a minute it was a set. I just, just I just, I didn't, I didn't think about it at all. That's the beauty of this being a. It's fun just watching sometimes. You're just like you don't, you don't. 
I love people listening to this podcast who want to know how the sausage is made, but sometimes it's good not to think about the sausage being made. Just ah. enjoy it. Yeah. Well, this podcast is all sausage. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Sure. Is that it felt terrible that's saying it out loud. Good for I, I Joey's know. podcast. I, I didn't. Yeah, that's more. Yeah, if you go to explosomagico.com, that's that's the kind of stuff. A lot more sausage. Um, and then, uh, you know, this episode, it ends with Jimmy on a high note, got his ice cream, got his Bluetooth. Things are hot, running high. And then, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Nacho, blingy. Uh-oh. The blingy mobile. Yeah. What? Where are they whisking him away Where to? Where are they yeah. taking him to? What's happening? Does, that have, some, does that have anything to do with what Lalo was saying? I got something better. I don't I know. Mean, who knows? What do you think, Allison? What what what's is? I'm what do you excited think's gonna... to find out. Yeah. Oh, so you don't know? No. Okay. no. Well, that no. is really. Surprising I only know to what me. happens in this episode. We don't get to see. <laughs> Peter <laughs> keeps the writers in individual cases, <laughs> not one large. You know. Now you know everything. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, this is such an awesome episode, and uh, I can't wait to. I can't wait. I'm so excited for you guys to see what happens uh, next. Is there anything else that anybody wants to talk about? Just to episode? say that we love Mike and Kaylee together. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Didn't even yeah. talk about that. That was um, boy. That was rough. Yeah. That was really hard to watch. Yeah, it's a that tough was. One. That was tough. How how many Kayleys have we had now? This is the third. No, it's going to be more than that. On this show. show. I think, and fourth, including Breaking Bad. Yes. Only four? Wow. Juliet uh, Dunnfeld, who is is playing Kaylee now, she is such a fine young actress. She really pairs up with Jonathan Banks, uh, that she watches what he does and she reacts in the scene. There's nothing, sometimes, with, well, with any actor, not just young actors, you feel that there's a, um, that, that the performance would be the same no matter what the other actor did. Uh, she and, and she and Jonathan Banks really do uh, act together and perform together. It is, it is, it's kind of magical to see. She's, she's really terrific. And they had an amazing trust with each other on the set. Um, she really, he earned her trust immediately, and she 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 gave it to him. So even though he barks at her in the scene, and and it is a little scary, um, you could feel the 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 love between them. Actually, what does he do? Does yeah. he say to her, "Okay, honey, now I'm gonna yell at you," but it's just make believe, or I yeah. mean, she probably knows that already. Actually, he, but. you know, he actually kind of kidded around with her a yeah. lot he didn't even have to be that soft with her mm-hmm. he was able to be a little bit his mikey slightly gruff yet loving self and she took to it really easily hopefully with less cursing though less cursing yeah, does he, yeah. does, well, does a, she, the swear jar is that still a thing a that's jar. happening yeah i think jar. he had to give is, her a dollar is it broken a hundred thousand dollars yeah. a lot of dollars <laughs> and her mother the, act, the actor's actual mother kept trying to give him back the dollars and he kept saying, no, 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 this is like a real no, thing. No, this is a tradition. Yeah. This is a tradition, yeah. Possibly no, some yeah. postgraduate work as well. I, I remember talking about this scene with Jonathan, and he's, you know, I was talking about what it's like being a kid and having an adult unleash like that, and it's an inappropriate way to see. And, and John, we were talking about it for quite a while, and Jonathan looked at me and said, some things happened to you when you were a kid. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so, but the, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it, I think it's a powerful scene, especially because you know that Mike loves this. Just If there's any reason that he goes on in life, it's because of this child. And he can't keep it locked down, even with her. 
And uh, it's it's a uh, it's a boy. I don't know what's going to happen to him. And his, yeah. I'm, I'm worried. I'm, it's it's almost like you guys have created all of these people just to make us worried for them. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Well, and just to say, Jonathan was extremely generous and came into audition with Juliet and play this scene. You know, before I mean, you know, before she was even hired, and I think it really helped us figure out who the right Kaylee would be, and that that Juliet was our young lady. I just saw her in something. Well, she's yeah, I think yeah. We'll, we'll probably see a lot of her. She's yeah. she's really yeah. good. Well, thank you guys for coming out on, uh, you, on, a, on a bright and sunny Saturday afternoon here in Los Angeles, California, USA. Yeah, <laughs> and um, thank you guys for listening. And Joey, thank you for keeping those steel wheels turning. ExplosiveMagicCo.com. <laughs> and um, Allison, would you take us out? Yes. Ready? <clears throat> mm. Better call Saul. Yay! Yeah! Yeah!